Hey, you're on the reg. Welcome to the reg podcast. Uh, my name is Jenny. With me, Crystal, as always. Hello, Crystal. Hello. Hello. And today, oh, I am so excited to talk about everything sex work today. And we are chatting with Olivia Hartley, who is just such a vital member of the community, doing so much to support sex workers with peers. We're going to be talking about the industry in general, how the government plays into that, also how we can support sex work moving forward. Thank you so much, Olivia, for joining with us today. My pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Um, do we want to do like a little check-in first? Because I feel like it's been a while. Every podcast, it like takes a month for us to actually like get back yeah. in in the swing of things again. So Crystal, we'll start with you. How are you doing? How's your week? What's going on? You, you know, I am, I'm doing okay. I honestly, I think I've been a bit depressed with this winter and just COVID. I have COVID fatigue and I'm like just admitting mm-hmm. it. Like I am just over it. I feel like quite overwhelmed with like all my feelings because of COVID. Um, it's been a year, you know, I'm, I'm just over it. I'm fucking over it. So yeah. I'm feeling now as the weather is getting nicer and like the sun's coming that I'm like, my head's starting to come above water because I feel like I've been a bit submerged in my feelings and everything. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the warm weather. I'm looking forward to the vaccine rollout. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking forward to getting back to kind of um, a more physical and interactive, uh, you know, way of being. Cause I fucking miss hugs. Yeah. I'm the worst hugger. I think when I like, I won't know how to hug. And it's like, even occasionally people within my bubble hug me and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. This is very, I'm, I, what are I doing? Like, that's just my initial reaction. No, that's very relatable. And I feel like when you're saying all this, I agree 100%. But it also like brings up this weird anxiety about like, oh, we're going to have to be social again. And like, we're gonna have to like rekindle with friendships that we've kind of like lost over the year. And I'm not I don't know if I'm ready to be social. Because today in BC, we got the news that we are able to open up our bubbles outdoors, which is a very exciting thing. And we can go back to hanging out outdoors. But like the thought scares me oh yeah yeah I I agree and I think it's kind of a time where like you're gonna see like what relationships really matter and like what relationships you want to put effort into post pandemic because I think like there's just an expectation especially because I think like we're all kind of the same age that you're supposed to have so many friendships and you're supposed to build your circle and there's so many like people that you need to hang out with and now like I and I notice and it's something that I feel like people older than me have always said like you know like as you get older kind of you notice what friendships really matter and you notice what ones don't Mm -hmm. and you kind of realize you know you have limited time or that you need more time for yourself and uh, you prioritize like who you actually spend time with so I think like it's kind of an interesting time to go through this pandemic at least for myself I'm noticing that it's like me really thinking of like what relationships mean to me and like who matters to me Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that big time. Olivia, how have you been over the last few weeks? Well, well I would say year because I actually like we, we haven't met before. Like I want to know your whole entire life, obviously. But in the last few weeks, how have you been? I've been good. I've been hanging in there. Um, just trying to be like positive and not tired all the time, which is no hard because I'm exhausted. And I feel like we all have burnout. Like you said, Crystal, earlier, we've got COVID burnout. And I think it's just like a collective feeling. So it's kind of on one hand, 
you know, it's, it's sad to think we're all in the same boat, but it's also really uniting being like, we are all in the same boat, you know, yeah. like every time, every time I'm in the grocery store, like I try to turn around, I'm like, are you okay? How are you doing? To the little old lady behind me. Cause like, she probably lives alone. She probably doesn't have a bubble. I'm seeing, seeing little bursts of humanity here and there, but I'm really looking forward to seeing like what the world's going to look like when we are open up and, you know, feeling a bit more grounded and safe and yeah, yeah. I'm hopeful. That's I'm good. Tired. Yeah, hopeful and tired, I think, like, really <laughs> sums it up, hey? Um, it was a very big day for, like, news when it comes to, you know, the pandemic is, like, this was, like, the year anniversary that they announced there was a global pandemic. And, yeah, I just remember, like, hearing about this and delivering that news and not really understanding what that would mean for the next year. Like, I thought it was, like, okay, everyone's going home tomorrow, but in a few weeks I'll be back. There's going to be a bunch of anniversaries coming up, like, the first lockdown and so on and so on, so... Yeah, it's wild to think about. Um, For me, over the last few weeks, my PMS has been, like, wild. (laughs) And, yeah, I've just been having, like, really intense period cramps. Um, The other night, I, like, woke up at 3 a.m. and had to go into fetal position for an hour and then do some, like, yoga. It was relentless. When you get pain at night, your whole body and mind just focuses on it so hard. And then... (laughs) I had like this. Sorry, I'm just using you guys to vent right now. Sorry about that. But um, (laughs) the next morning, I knew I had to get a a wax because I had booked it a few weeks ago. And uh, it was the most sensitive wax I've ever had. I meant to ask for a French, but I got a Brazilian. And (laughs) it's not mentally or physically prepared for that. And it was like extra sensitive. So I felt... Oh, do you need to... I'm just going to take some sugar. Yeah. Yeah, Local diabetic. One second. (laughs) Oh, This is our diabetic break. Get some sugar in you. (laughs) Sorry, guys. My sugars are going low. That's okay. What is your sugar of choice today? Apple juice. Mm. Yum, yum. Did you drink out of a juice box before you got diagnosed with diabetes? It's like a novelty thing. Like, if you, like, go volunteer somewhere, they give you, like, juice boxes or something like that. You know what I mean? So, not really beforehand, but... Yeah, because when I think of juice boxes, I think of like, yeah, going to donate blood and get a mm-hmm. little juice box and a cookie at the end or like something. That's the best part. Right? Greens. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> What's your favorite juice box flavor? Oh, I think apple. Yeah, I love a classic yeah. apple. I also love like a really like bad fruit punch, you know, like ones that's like clearly just like syrup. <laughs> yeah, like a Capri Sun. Remember the Kool-Aid packs? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Kool-Aid jammers. And used to freeze them sometimes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love going over to my friend's house who had those. We weren't allowed those, but... <laughs> that was okay. Cool. Okay. Crisis averted. You good? <laughs> so Jenny, periods, yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, I just got a wax and it was so sensitive. I felt so bad. The person who waxed me is, like, so sweet. I love going to her. And I was just screaming and being a little baby the whole time. And she was just so oh. nice and supportive. We all checked in? Yes. Good. Um, I want to first know about what Peers does for the community because it's sex workers supporting sex workers, and it really just seems like this beautiful support system for that community. Can you talk a bit more about what Peers does for Victoria sex workers? Totally. Um, A little bit about the history. I think they were started in 1995. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So it's established by and with four and four sex workers since 1995, which is pretty cool. And so it's a grassroots organization, nonprofit. Um, The headquarters is here in Victoria, but their reach has 
gone like it's surpassed just sex workers especially because of covid peers has a bunch of different programs so they service all sorts of sex workers like lgbtq plus people who work outdoors people who work indoors if you're involved or were involved in sex work like peers will support you they're phenomenal um so for instance we have like the daytime drop-in program so Folks will come in off the street for like a hot lunch and they can grab supplies. They can grab their harm reduction supplies if they use substances, um, harm reduction supplies in the form of condoms because condoms are harm reduction, um, lube, clothes, housewares, snacks, pretty much anything. And then also you can get in touch with different resources that you may need, such as housing, health, sometimes employment just networking with other folks who you know are in the industry and it's just like really nice safe space to come everyone you know knows why you're there it's kind of like this unspoken bond between you all so that's kind of really nice and then there's also the the night outreach van so they go out along the stroll and the stroll is like the colloquial term for where um, folks who are doing sex work outdoors usually congregate and so the van will be parked downtown and they open up the back doors and if you need same thing harm reduction snacks um, hot chocolate with marshmallows, like you name it, we got it. Um, in the holidays, we have holiday packs, gift cards. So like they literally go above and beyond to bring these folks what they need to make their jobs safe and yeah, comfortable, as comfortable as possible. And then also on the, in that same vein, um, a lot of folks, if they're having issues with bad dates, so if, um, if they're, they have a client who's, you know, lashed out or they were rude or they got um, shorted money, blah, blah, blah. Um, you come to the van and report your bad date and you can get, kind of give a description of um, whoever did you harm. And then they'll compile a list of bad dates and then they'll publicize the bad, bad date report, which is kind of cool because like a lot of the time law enforcement either doesn't have, I don't know, the spoons to really hone in on sex workers issues. And so Pierce has taken it upon themselves to kind of fill that gap and yeah, the bad day report rocks. And then there's indoor programs. So if you're a sex worker that works indoors, then that's a really cool way for you to kind of like network with other sex workers because indoor working can be quite isolating. And so to be able to come in, have like dinner with other folks who do sex work, um, they usually have like a program. So they'll bring in like an accountant or a street nurse or what have you. And so yeah, you can kind of get your needs met that way. But since COVID happened, peers have sort of had to widen their net so to speak and we've been placed at all the different shelters so the city was buying up all the hotels um, as a COVID response and moving folks from the parks into the hotels and so Piers has been pivotal in getting these shelters um, established and running and it's been a wild ride so that's what I've been doing since April 16th I think is when I started wow. yeah. that's a little blurb about Piers I'm not doing them justice because I just I'm obsessed <laughs> them so much but yeah check out their website to know more get involved if you can give them all your money I love <laughs> I mean you really did paint a picture of like it being almost like this headquarters like this hub uh this like community space almost like you know when you go to like a youth rec center and there's just like a yeah. bunch of people just hanging out having snacks like sharing their time together and you're like oh this is something that they're gonna like that they really love and cherish and that mm. supports them really nicely and that's kind of what it what it sounds like now it's fast that's so good to hear. I love that they have created this like support system because I do want to talk about what is lacking, like the support from the government and why peers exist. Totally. So nobody knows better for us than us. So in order for marginalized communities to be best serviced, I think 
those voices of experiential folks needs to be taken into account. So for instance, that's why it's a nonprofit by and for sex workers is because we know what the job's like. We know how to best support our own. We know what's lacking. We know how to fill those gaps. And so things that you'd never even think of, like peers has swooped in and filled those those niche gaps, which I think is really, really cool. And the same could be said for any other nonprofit. So there's so many other nonprofits in Victoria. They're all phenomenal. Um, but they really prioritize experiential voices when they're doing their hiring, just because A, you know, like I said, nobody knows better for us than us also. And then also just because we have like a peer-to-peer based system for a lot of folks that work at peers and those who seek the services, seeing your peers, like it's kind of like seeing your equals. And so these people will be more likely to access the services if they know that the people who are there see them as people, they've been through the same stuff as them. So it's just, it's really, really cool. And so if somebody was offering these services, say like government wise or like uh, law enforcement wise, the likelihood of people accessing these resources is so slim because it's not Mm. a safe space. Yeah. So it's almost like better that there is this place that's completely separate from the government. We see it with everything, like you described it perfectly. It's like, okay, once the government gets involved, then there's, it's not as good as it was when it was the people who were involved in it. Totally. You know? There's yeah. um, even just the rollout of like legalizing cannabis. I think that peer model is so important because um, I, I had a, I was listening to a podcast today and I really liked what she, she said, and she was like, people who don't know that experience are prejudiced and it's it's just prejudice is prejudgment. There will always be prejudgment as open-minded as you can be um, because you just don't know that lived and living experience. Totally. And my limit, my experience um, as a sex worker is very limited and I go into my work knowing that like I have never worked outside. My substance use has always been recreational, not like not chronic, I suppose is the word. Um, yeah. So my positionality is limited. There are so many aspects of the job that I can't speak to. So it's limited, but it's still cool that people can seek me out and ask me for advice or support or what have you. And I'll do my best to to be there for them. Yeah. Cause like you share an experience with someone who is also totally. going through it. Right. And that can be so yeah. helpful within itself, though you might not know everything, like just something as simple as like going through the same thing is nice. You know, I think a lot of people totally. can relate to that in all aspects. Um, and I do want to talk about like your own experience with sex work, how you got into it and your own journey, if you want to take us through that. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have been to put it lightly, obsessed and fascinated by sex since I was young enough to figure out what the heck it was. I think I came across my first porno on the internet back when I was in grade two, I think. It was a long time ago and I was fascinated. I was so taken by these like brazen hussies with their legs spread, tits out, smiles on their faces. I was like, who are these people? How can I be a part of it? But I knew it wasn't like, obviously I didn't want to be a part of it back then, but I knew the one day that's where I'd be in one way or another. So life went on. I grew up, puberty, what have you. I grew up in a pretty uh, accepting household, I suppose. Like my mom, God, sweet mom. She caught me humping pillows <laughs> up the yin-yang. And I remember she took me aside one day. She's like, honey, if you're anything like me and your father, your sex drive is through the roof. And I just want to <laughs> let you know, you don't need to be ashamed and you don't need to hide it. And there's ways to pleasure yourself. 
And I was mortified, obviously, mortified. Right. And she came home one day and she had bought me a vibrator. So her and her best friend had gone to freaking romance shop or what have you. And she's like, honey, I bought you a present. And I was like, what is it? <laughs> and it was this blue, baby blue, friendly looking vibrator thing. And I was like, mom, ew, gross. And I hid that sucker in my underwear drawer for months until curiosity got the best of me whipped that sucker out of its packaging and never looked back. And I'd tell my friends the story and they were like, why didn't my mom say that? Why didn't my mom tell me that? Yeah. Why didn't my mom buy me a vibrator? And I must have been 13, 12 or 13. And so then I kind of became the go-to person for all my friends to like ask for advice or like, hey, will you come to the sex store with me? So that's been kind of neat. The like earliest memory my mom can pull up was she had friends over and I came storming into the kitchen, stark naked, holding my clit in my fingers, saying, Mom, what's this skin piece for? And she howled. <laughs> her friends went beat red. And she brought. She told me that story the other day, and I was like, oh, my God. So she had an idea, like, what kind of, you know, what kind of kid I was, so That's to speak. So and so funny. always fascinated with sex, always wanted to know more. I was just like, I, yeah insatiable my curiosity for sex always and so in university I guess it was high school university I started directing all my studies towards sexuality and gender and sexual health and pleasure and all that sort of stuff and I was just enamored I was so stoked I couldn't believe this was like a field of study and so I decided that I wanted to pursue sex in university and so I took gender studies, which is a phenomenal program. All my friends made fun of me. I don't care. It was one of the best programs. And I think the University of Victoria has one of the best gender programs in all of um, Canada. So my plan was to become a sex therapist. So I thought I'd maybe like take gender and sexuality studies as a foundation, take my master's and kind of, you know, trebuchet from there. But yeah, I kind of did become one in my own way, but I'll touch on that later. Um, so yeah, graduated university. And then all my professors kind of saw what direction I was going with my studies, obviously. And they're like, you need to go get involved with peers. You need to go go find somebody at peers, go volunteer. And I was like, what's peers? So that's kind of how I got in with them. And at that same time, I became involved with the burlesque community because I had this like fascination with burlesque. And I'd you know seen the movies, Moulin Rouge was huge oh god that was like that's what got me and so I started taking classes and loved it performed a bunch my professors came to my performance that was wild and from there then I started taking erotic dance classes like with those big old stripper heels and that was like whoa something snapped in me I'd found my people this is wild I love doing this I love moving my body this way and then I'd gained some skills and I was pretty friggin' good. And then I decided to do amateur night at the Fox. And then one first place, thousand dollars. That was like, I know, I was so <laughs> like the first the first time you had done amateur night, you win. Yeah. That's fucking yeah. awesome. It's like that and is a sign. Was- so good. I, know, I do want so to talk good. about like we can get into it later about just like this the strip scene now in Victoria. It, there's like no places to do it. It's right. So the only strip club, strip bar, whatever you whatever you want to call it, is in Campbell River, JJ's, which I believe is still going right it's now. Like four but that's hours the only away? one on the island. I know that's the only strip club on the island. And there's like there's a few in Vancouver though, right? 
Yeah, there's tons. There's like Brandy's, the Granville Strip, Number 5 Orange, mm-hmm. and the Penthouse. But Victoria's got its own strip club culture, and I'll touch on that too. Okay. So yeah, backtracking. Mm-hmm. One amateur night, people heard about it. My friend who runs probably Vancouver Island's like only woman-run, woman-owned and operated strip company. She heard about me and I'd heard about her. And we met up, kind of like a meeting of the minds. And she was like, I want you to come work for me. I own a strip agency. And I was like, oh my God, because my dream was to get involved with these women for so long because I'd heard about them. It was like this like secret group of cool women who are like changing the strip culture by like, you know, really incorporating enthusiastic consent into teaching the clientele like what it means to be a good client if you're going to hire strippers and I was just like so taken with them so she hired me that was back in 2016 I want to say so got into stripping loved it oh my god it was so much fun it was wild times and then from stripping I did sugaring which I can get into a bit more after that and then Mm. My life, I just went through some really weird times. And then when I got back from a trip abroad, I decided I want to jump into escorting, which I knew I wanted to do forever. That was kind of like the end point. Um, But I didn't want to do it until I was ready. So I started escorting full time in August 2019. Wow. So cool. So you've been doing that for two years. Oh my God. Yeah. It's been two years That's now. Wild. I know it's so weird to think like, <laughs> I, I think of 2019 as like yesterday. That's <laughs> like weird to no. think that like, yeah, it was two years ago. Literally. Feels wild. like yesterday. I was such a baby. Oh my gosh. So are you loving what you're doing now? Like, where are you at? Like, are you happy? Mm. Are you satisfied? Or do you have like more goals? I'm so satisfied just because like I've built an amazing group of regulars who are they come see me every week like I just love them so much they're all such phenomenal people I see like every age group you could imagine I think my oldest client he's 76 he told me he wanted me to tell a story about him after not oh, so <laughs> I saw him today I see folks in chairs like quadriplegic paraplegic um ALS folks that have um cerebral palsy is quite common um, you name it, I've seen it. And I'm like, I'm doing everything I've always wanted to do. So like going back, I said, I wanted to be a sex therapist and traditional sex therapists are super like psychology based. They're, you know, dealing with people's problems all the time. And I thought, I'm like, I don't want to do that all the time. I think I'm going to burn out. And the sex therapy I consider that I'm doing now is so hands-on. It's like a celebration and exploration and it's so much fun. And that work invigorates me where I feel like if I was in an office listening to people's issues all day, I would just be depleted. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like getting to where I want to be. I'm not quite there, but there's some stuff in the works right now. And I'm just over the moon. That's so exciting. Yeah. I want to touch upon what you were talking about sugaring before, because that's still something that I'm like, I have no clue what that means. Yeah. So I can even, so the term sex worker is like an umbrella term, much Mm -hmm. like the word queer. And so sex worker can be anywhere from escort, cam girl, OnlyFans girl, sugar baby, girl who sells her panties online, um, stripper, domin- did I say dominatrix? Like you, anything, anything that has to do with like selling sexual material services or time, you're a sex worker because mm-hmm. we're all under the same red umbrella and we need to support each other and keep each other safe. Yeah. So red umbrella is like, it's like a sex worker term. So yeah. This December- yeah. So sorry, sugaring. Okay. <laughs> okay, so sugaring. <laughs> 
sugaring is so there's sugar babies and sugar daddies so sugar daddies are guys that have disposable income and are looking for the company of young beautiful women or whomever um of whatever gender it can be anybody and they pay them either an allowance or a pay per meet and um you're expected to keep them company and a lot of the times have sex with them get cozy get sensual blah 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 but um, it's been around forever. And like the most popular site is Seeking Arrangements, which apparently is huge in Victoria. However, I find it, I'm going to get blasted for this, but it's um, guys that are looking for escort services who are not willing to pay escort prices. So I see a lot of girls, especially in university, who don't know what they ought to be charging and who are getting exploited. And they're just getting kind of taken advantage of time-wise. And I just... Ugh puts bad taste in my mouth especially in victoria sorry guys but it's just not cool so i mean it's like that with like every industry as well it's like when you're first starting out it's like oh i'm gonna do anything for free just because i'm just starting out and i don't think my value's there yet but you're so valuable yeah yeah they don't know the fucking patriarch it's everywhere (laughs) everywhere and guys know guys know that these girls don't know any better so they just like Ah, drives me up the wall. The emotional labor, the physical labor, like it is sex work. And it's guys get into sugaring because they think they're better than the guys who get escorts. Or you're not. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. I call it diet escorting. I I started off sugaring just to get a feeling for what it felt like to exchange my time for money, Mm -hmm. which was wild. I remember the first time that he left, he left money on my, I'm looking at the, the cupboard, not the cupboard, like my shelving unit right now. And I was like, oh my God, like, I just, I just got paid for this. I'm like, this is wild. And I was like, whoa, uh-oh. Here it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so recently I've been seeing like a lot of people posting and I have even gotten a post that was like, um, just through my DMs on Instagram and was like, I will be your sh- sugar daddy. I'll pay you money. Is this like a common thing? Yeah, Is it yeah. a scam? Okay. That's what I would assume. I'm like, this screams scam to me, but it like happens a lot and it happens to a lot of people on Instagram. And I'm like, <laughs> what is happening? Is this like a common thing? But then I've also heard stories of people actually getting into those sort of like agreements through Instagram. So it's very rare, yeah. But like a lot of those things where it's like seems too good to be true, they get you to buy a prepaid visa and then oh. like completely rinse it. Yeah, as soon as so there is that. a prepaid visa involved, you're like, yeah. okay, yeah. this is obviously a fucking <laughs> yeah. scam. Thank you. Right, right. Bye. Um, how mm-hmm. long were you doing that for? Was it just the one client? Like the would you say a client? Yeah. Like oh, they would hate that. Like the they would cringe at the idea of them being called clients, but okay. they are clients. But um, how would you, how would they like to be? described like a part i don't know daddy i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i hate that daddy became a sexualized term because like i my dad was in my phone as daddy for the longest time and then like when i became super sexual i was like fuck what do i call my dad and now it's dad like that's as i was like i panicked changes i don't i don't know i can't call him daddy like (laughs) i don't know like a sugar daddy yeah. Sugar dad. Sugar dad. <laughs> Earlier you were talking about how your 76-year-old client wanted you to tell a story. Can you please tell the story? Because I've just been hanging on to that this whole time. Yes. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So this fellow came to see us because um, I guess his he'd been caring for his ailing wife for like 26 whole years, like nonstop by her side um, through thick and thin till the very end. 
And so after her passing, he kind of like stepped back, reevaluated his life, did some self-reflection and was like, wow, like I just spent the past 26 years like caring for this woman. I think it's time I start caring for myself. And so he compiled a little bucket list, like a little sexual bucket list of things he wanted to do before he died. And so first, number one, have intercourse because he hadn't had intercourse in 26 years. And so I was the first one to pop his cherry. (laughs) At the end, he cried. I cried. And I was like, wait, hold on one second. And I like grabbed the Magnum wrapper and I like turned my back and I cut us out two gold stars out of the gold Magnum wrapper. And I was like, we both get gold stars for today. And he was like, oh my God. And so he's got his in his wallet and I have mine in my wallet. That was number one. Number two, he wanted to see a girl squirt because he didn't know if it was real. And my friend completely doused him. Yeah. He brought a snorkel. And then number three was he wanted to have a threesome. And so on his birthday, we rocked his world. And then he comes to see me like every week because we're like besties now. He's just such a treasure. We gab like pals. We laugh. We play. We It's like in the look on his face when he comes to see me, like it literally looks like a kid in Disneyland. It's the best. And I'm like, that just is a testament to how sex is so transformative and pleasure is fun like he doesn't like he comes and he's like oh I'm just I feel weird being here I'm old I'm like you're not like yes I call you old boot I call everybody old boot (laughs) but like you are just so youthful and vibrant and re-energized after our time together and it's just so heartwarming and I love our time together and I'm going to send him this after hi oh that's so fucking awesome I love that I think that's like that's why this industry has been so important and so vital for like it's like the longest ever profession people need and want not everyone but uh you know like that is like a a human need for a lot of people is intimacy and sex and the fact that there's just like so much stigma around it is just so damaging and terrible that like if we would just remove that and just like everyone just fucking enjoyed it, saw it as a positive. And I know not everyone's going to see it as a positive because there's trauma involved and everything like that. But like, but it, it can be such a beautiful and like positive thing and like transformative thing, like you were saying. Oh, I'm so happy you shared that. And I'm so happy it was cool with you sharing that too. Because like that, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, He's like, make sure you tell our story. Oh my gosh, I love that. I was like, I will. And like, I see so much of that. Like I see so many clients who come to me in chairs and they're like I'm broken I'm like not a chance pal like there's so much we can do mm-hmm. like sex is a candy store like if, okay if you can't get an erection like let's play with digits let's play with the oral like let's get toys involved like there's always ways around it and like for instance I had a, a client today who was having trouble with erection and he was mortified and I was like listen I'm like sex is not about jackrabbiting a hard throbbing cock into a soaking wet pussy like that's just you know that's what we see in porn but sex is so much more than that like that's a phallocentric view of sexuality and that's a patriarchal view of sexuality and it's so it's done like no more like sex is about sweet whispers and nibbles and kisses and laughter and being messy and clumsy and just like being silly and it's just about being human and I'm trying to I'm trying to really drive that home with whoever comes to see me and who's like maybe nervous and like I get a lot of first timers somehow I had two virgins in a week and it was the best week ever because they were so lovely because people keep sending me their friends and I'm like this is amazing I I love that 
program. Yeah, you should. (laughs) Absolutely. I definitely think that there is like a market for that, especially like someone who, you know, has gone without sex for that long. I could imagine the the pressure that you would feel from society, from their peers, from people just talking Mm -hmm. about it, mixed with like, you know, that like kind of toxic masculinity conversations that we have that we see all the time in pop culture and just being like, you have to have sex in order to be a man. And it's like, let's get rid of all that. And let's like remove the pressure behind it. I have a question. Do you predominantly see a male clientele or are you open to all different genders, non-genders, binaries? Great question. Yeah, sex workers, like we're of all genders. That's kind of why we're such a magical rainbow community. But our clientele are predominantly heterosexual cisgender males or men. Um, I have yet to see anybody outside of that, but I'm open to all gender identities like everything, all bodies, all shapes, all sizes, all ages, you name it, I'll see it. Because I just want to make sex, like sexuality accessible. That's something that I really want to focus on. And that's why I got into this industry. Not, not everybody does. And that's totally okay. Completely valid. We all have our own boundaries. Um, but that's one of the, my leading reasons and one of my driving forces behind my work. So yeah, I'm open to it all, but I've only seen like a small handful of um, this is kind of like a big question, but like, why do you yeah. think sex work and, and sex in general is important? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a loaded question. I think the best way to answer that is if you think about it, sex is what got us here. It's literally as natural as it gets. It's a life force that runs through us all and it drives us forward. It's literally driving humanity forward as we speak. Sex is... It can be used as a weapon or it can be used as a life-affirming, soul-nourishing, validating service, I think. Some people, if you're after like a wham-bam, 15-minute blowjob, power to ya. Or some guys are after like a deep connection with a fellow human. Maybe they're yearning to explore their sexuality. That's cool too. The human experience is so multifaceted and there are so many different ways of being. One of my favorite sex idols, her name's Lola Davina. She says, sex workers get paid to play in the sandbox of the erotic imagination with some of the biggest toys there are. Bodies, emotions, imaginations, and desires. Some guys just like they're short on time and they don't have enough time to date or they're shy and they're, you know, afraid to put themselves out there or they want to try something new. Maybe a couple wants to, you know, spice it up, add a third. Like, why does it not make sense to just hire a pro? Like, you hire a pro to fix your washing machine. You hire a pro to fix your car. And, like, why not, you know, pay a pro? It just makes sense. And when it comes down to, like, you know, sex work, whether you're doing it to put food on the table or you need to get your next fix or save up for a down payment on a house, sex work can be the vehicle that gets you there. And not one, re- not one reason is more noble than the next, you know? No, that's a great like view of of sex work. And I think like a lot of people are exploring that more and just being like, I can't ask one person to be everything for me and fulfill all of my needs. I guess my one question and you uh, you can totally say if this isn't something you don't want to answer, but how do you navigate emotions and sex work like feelings and you know how like there are some people Mm. like sex is something that you know they can't do that one night stand it's something or like you know sleep with people just casually it's something that you know it is a very intimate experience for a lot of people and um 
you know, innate, like innately for themselves that they'll just eventually catch feelings? Mm, Good question. Mm -hmm. I myself have never caught feelings for clients. I have like deep um, adoration and admiration for them. Um, And I like appreciate our time together. I appreciate, you know, how they brighten my day, the lengths they go to let me know they're thinking about me with like really thoughtful gifts or messages or stuff like that. For the most part, I've had like really good experience that way. I've had like a cu- couple clients express that they had feelings for me and I had to sit them down and be like, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much. But like, just know like you get me all of me. Well, not all of me, but you get a really beautiful part of me in our time together, like undivided attention, undivided eye contact, love, touch, pleasure, whatever. Um, but just know that our time together is boundaried and I really need you to respect that. And as soon as you kind of like bring it back, put things into perspective, they're able to be like, yeah, you know, you're right. Like I should appreciate our time together. I feel really lucky to have this, blah, blah, blah. So it's never, it's never gone to the point where like I had to fire somebody for taking it too far, but it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, we're only human. We're softies. Yeah. It's hard too, especially for the clients that don't get a lot of human contact or the human contact is very medicalized um, for a lot of the time, like, yeah, they, they get pretty soft and I'm totally there to hold space for it and, you know, guide that love in any direction I see that's safe and good. But yeah, it happens. Like what you had mentioned about just that a lot of people don't have human contact. And I think right now, like more than ever, a lot of people are feeling extra isolated. And I'm curious to like hear how extra isolation has affected your work and also just people in general. Good question. Um, I have been working, but like I try to limit who I see in a week. I keep my regulars, keep it real tight. If anybody's been off the island or if anyone's left Victoria, no way see me in two weeks, pal. Um, so keeping it real tight. However, like I've really noticed that people are really seeking our services more than ever. People are lonely, mm-hmm. so lonely and it's terrifying and sad. And at the same time, like every time I have somebody come to see me who is like embarrassed to be there, like I would never thought I would see myself here. And I'm like, you know what? I commend you for taking the time and energy out of your day to really you know, fulfill whatever need you had that you recognized. I'm like, that's amazing. I'm like, a lot of people don't do that. They don't offer themselves that like gracious allowance to be vulnerable and be like, you know what? I could really get off today and I'm going to outsource that and go call Olivia or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I always sit them down. I'm like, thank you. Like, wow. Like talk about self-care. Hey, yeah. um, like sex is self-care and if it's either like masturbating or you know seeking out a professional like power to you do it up I wish more people recognize that like there's so many different ways to do it and like if it's like go on cam and like talk to somebody or like hire an escort or whatever what have you whatever you need to do do it now more than ever so like I have noticed like and you know I hired an escort the other day actually so funny I hired one for two hours and we just cuddled and hung out and talked cost me a heck of a lot of money but I was like (laughs) that was so fun and I felt so nervous I remember like walking up the steps (laughs) to the escort agency and I was like oh my god (laughs) 
and like it put me in their shoes like I know how vulnerable I felt and how nervous and excited and I was like oh I don't know what to expect what's she gonna be like is she gonna like me so by doing that I was able to kind of like step back be like oh, okay that's what it feels like that's what it feels like to put yourself out there mm-hmm. how can I best hold space for people who are probably feeling that way when they come to see me it was nice. So cool <laughs> that you did that. I love that. It and it also so just like fun, puts yeah. you in their shoes, right? Like that's beautiful. And that does take well, courage. Because it's not normalized yet. It's still demonized. Like, oh, you're paying for sex. Ugh. I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, why wouldn't we? That's amazing. Like, let's do it. Why yeah. not? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Another question I have is, so earlier you were talking about how when people are sugaring, how, you know, they're often getting exploited and that they're not being paid correct amount or what they could be getting paid. Is there any sort of resources or any kind of avenue that any person who's looking to understand like what is the transparency in pricing in sex work because I think that's something that because sex work is um, an industry that a lot of people don't know a lot about unless they're in it or um, you know using those services that you know they if people are trying to start off they might be like I have no clue it's not like you can just go online and look up the salary of totally the highest paid escort or sex worker in Victoria good question um my advice is a it's a a very personal thing like what you want to charge for your time for your emotional energy for your uh physical energy it's totally personal like I don't want to poo-poo anybody who wants to charge 50 bucks an hour two bucks an hour do it for free what have you it's up to you do what makes you feel comfortable do what makes you feel empowered do what feels fair to you. That's my advice. If you want to get like a baseline, um, go Google your city escort services. See what people are, you know, charging per hour. See what people are charging for social rates. Um, and then you can kind of like tailor what you feel is fair. And it's completely up to you. I think that's probably the best way. And like there's so many different, like people don't realize how many escort agencies there are in every city. Like they're mm-hmm. everywhere. You've probably walked by them a thousand times. But yeah, just check out the pricing, see what's going on in your city. And it varies by region. Like Vancouver is more expensive than Victoria. Toronto is more expensive than Vancouver. The States is wild. Uh, It's like very, very expensive. And then, heck, like if you just want money for groceries, whatever, charge what you feel is fair. That's kind of like, it's completely up to you. You know, the more pricey sex work is no more valuable than, you know, $20 blowjobs. Fucking do you. Do you get your needs met, do what you need to do, hustle hard. That's all I can say. So with COVID and the relation to government and the emergency response benefit packages, from what I gather, sex work does not meet the sort of eligibility criteria for that federal and provincial government aid. So where does that stand right now? And I'm also curious about taxes and how that comes together for people who whose primary income is sex work. How does that work? So a lot of sex work deals in cash. And so um, you have to claim that cash in order to be seen as, you know, employed by the CRA. And so it's really hard for sex workers because you're completely left out of the COVID response, A, because um, it's hard for us to, A, find sex work friendly accountants who are willing to file our taxes, who are familiar with how to file sex worker taxes. Um, some people are too fucking scared. Some people don't want to pay taxes because they're barely getting by. So they're stashing money under their mattress and like it's not on paper. So, you know, don't qualify for CERP. And so, yeah, they're completely left out of the COVID response. That really, really sucked. 
Um, luckily, like organizations like Piers in Victoria, Pace in Vancouver, Swan in Vancouver, they kind of stepped up and um, offered different resources for sex workers, like different tax clinics, where if you weren't sure how to file your taxes, uh, they had sex work friendly accountants ready and available to help you guide. Because taxes are terrifying for anybody. Yeah. And imagine trying to operate in this gray area. Like, I'm yeah. looking at all my receipts right now. I'm like, oh my God, fuck, taxes are hard enough. Um, but there is a tax code for escorting. It's under the same tax code as party planners and magicians. Oh my God, fun. <laughs> hilarious. But there are some organizations that offer tax clinics. Pace has oh, a sex worker tax toolkit. They're phenomenal. Um, so if you're having issues with, yeah, taxes. You can reach out to Pace. And then there's this other organization. I think they're based out of Toronto called WorkSafe TwerkSafe. And they do different financial literacy workshops. There's one coming up on March 18th, um, which is kind of cool. So anyway, yeah, so COVID sucked because like I was in Australia in March. So I was in Australia, got home on the 20th. And I was like, oh my God, like obviously my agency shut down, mm-hmm. city shut down. I'm like, okay, cool. Don't have a job. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Luckily, peers swooped in and hooked a sister up but yeah it was really fucking alarming and a lot of people were like I shouldn't say a lot of there's so many different people that do sex work many of whom are having issues getting into the vanilla job market so they turn to sex work because it's low barrier and that doesn't Mm -hmm. take a lot to become sex workers but if you're using sex work as a way to make money and then all of a sudden you can't like what are those folks supposed to do Mm -hmm. and they're still kind of like whoa what's happening Uh." right as we are Mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's really really tricky but Luckily, the sex worker organizations kind of banded together and did their best. Because of, you know, like you said, like your your agency just like shut down completely. Did a lot of people move to online or were there like ways that you kind of like shifted? Um, yeah, there's a big shift to online, mm-hmm. um, which was great, but also like over flooded the market. And so people who had been doing online this whole time were kind of like, OK, perfect. Great. Now, like, what about me? Um, so that kind of sucked for them. I. I only do a little bit of online stuff. So my main online client was always there for me. Sweet angel. He's a farmer in Saskatchewan and he's also a mail carrier. And he sends me pictures of his farm animals every day. That's so wonderful. People who send photos of animals, they are like, they deserve a place in, if there's a heaven, I don't know, you can have it. You can have the whole space. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people did turn to online just because, like, it was what we were all at home on our computers. Like, of course. Now that we're talking about government, um, I know there's a lot of things in the news with government and sex work. Um, Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So back in 2014, what was it? The conservative government pushed to criminalize the purchase of sex work, which kind of, like, puts it in a gray area. So rather than decriminalizing the industry... You're just throwing it into like this gray area. So it puts clients in danger of lashing out from law enforcement, which like never happens really. But it also makes it hard for sex workers to reach out and get assistance from government or law enforcement because they're afraid of repercussions. And so what the government and sorry, what a lot of sex worker organizations right now are pushing for is like de- the decrement of the um, of the industry. And so there's a couple of petitions out right now. And there's a local MP named Randall Garrison, who is amazing. He's NDP and he took a bill to the house. I don't really know the language around this, but anyway, he's trying to um, be bill C-36, which hinders workers' rights to negotiate the terms of employment repealed, which would put us in like a better positionality to 
ask for support and ask for help if, you know, there's been an act of violence committed in the community and that sort of stuff. So there's, there's stuff happening, there's traction, it's pretty exciting, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would be like yeah. your ideal scenario? Good question. My ideal scenario is that like everybody has, you know, their employment under whatever terms they find perfect for them, but regardless that they are safe and supported at work, because that's the main thing, staying mm-hmm. safe and, you know, everyone deserves to feel safe at work, everyone. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you do. I know that as soon as it becomes decriminalized, just like marijuana, like probably the government's just going to come down on us for taxes and stuff. And that's going to make it really hard for people who are just like barely scraping by. Um, but there will be a lot of protections, hopefully, maybe we'll see. Yeah. But still, like we'll always keep each other safe. And that's the best thing about those peer-based organizations is like, we keep us safe. We've always kept us safe. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, as we talk about moving into normalizing sex work, um, one thing I think we should normalize is things that we should stop asking sex workers. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Would you like to educate us about that, Olivia? Because I think it's something that is so important and it's a conversation that I don't hear enough. I just find it gross when people ask, like, what's the what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you at work? Like, Mm -hmm. what's the worst client you've ever had? Just because like those are pretty personal things. And a lot of the times those are, if we do have stories, we don't want to bring them up again for fear of re-traumatizing ourselves. Um, the, the money question, because people want to hear like, you know, that sex work is in the get rich quick thing, but no, it's a ton of fucking work. And by like prioritizing money, it kind of puts like that hierarchy thing back in that I talked about earlier, that like the most noble and most acceptable form of sex work is when you're bringing in millions or whatever have you. And like the less you make, the less valid your work is. And so I want to really drive that home that like, it doesn't matter what you're selling how for however much, everyone deserves the same rights and respectability as the next one. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're wearing fucking honey burdette or you're wearing Zeller's fruit of loom panties. <laughs> like we're all the same. We're all the same. I don't. I don't fucking care. You're wearing. Oh, makes me so mad. Anyway, so the money stuff. Um, I don't know. Like weird questions that you wouldn't ask a plumber about their job. Yeah. Or like that's a cool good rule of thumb. Yeah. Yeah. Would you ask a plumber that? (laughs) No, shouldn't ask it to anyone else. (laughs) Totally. I don't know. Like a lot of times, because they think like, oh yeah, we're you know we're involved in sexy work. Like kind of like strips us away from. Like the, it makes it seem like they could ask us anything, you know, mm. or like they're entitled to know all the nitty gritty details and stuff because they like find it they're fascinated. And that's normal. Like it's a fascinating industry, but it's also a really personal industry. And if somebody wants to share something with you, it means they feel safe with you and you really ought to respect yeah, that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love what yeah, I love what you said about like asking what like the worst thing that happen to you because yeah it does bring up trauma I remember doing like a um, first aid course and like one of the first things he said he was like please don't ask me what the worst situation was that I was ever in because that's just going to bring up so much yeah. trauma and I'm just going to preface that and say that but that's like always something that comes up and it's just like this weird dark human curiosity 
I mean, I think it's the same reason why people like murder podcasts and stuff. Like it's like ingrained in us, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just so it's so um disrespectful to make someone go through that trauma and relive it. Um without the trust. Like you're a stranger, you know? And I just think it doesn't, you know, it just doesn't legitimize sex work because if you're thinking that, okay, this person has to tell me about their worst experience and it's like sex work confidentiality that it comes with being a sex worker and Mm -hmm. you know you have very intimate experiences with your clients you don't no one has the privilege to know that you would never ask a lawyer being like oh what's the like most deep darkest thing that you've seen like no like it's yeah yeah, I totally agree (laughs) and like I have I have the best days I've had some of the best days of my life at work and had some of the worst days of my life at work and yeah and it like the bad days don't delegitimize my work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I still want to do the job because I like I like the work. Yeah. It can be fucking exhausting sometimes. I just want to bang my head against the wall. But then other days, I just want to sing from the rooftops, be like, oh my God, I'm so proud. And then other days, I want to hide under my covers and be like, oh, no one touch me. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's hard work and you're going to have great days and you're going to have off days. Mm-hmm. Totally, like any other job in this weird capitalist system that we have to <laughs> be involved in <laughs> not by choice like yeah like, to make the patriarch <laughs> before we wrap things up is there anything you'd like to promote like social media any links uh peers support it is your floor it's your time <laughs> i'm gonna sign up i wrote something i was in i was um featured in an art show which is kind of cool <gasps> and so um a really lovely friend of mine painted um a bunch of different like sex positive sex educator sex worker folks in victoria so-called victoria and i was one of the featured people but i'll read that at the end but before i do that um my twitter is olivia hartley xo there's a lot of sexy naked photos on there funny things tidbits um rants all of it um Good conversations happening too in the sex work community. So those are kind of fun to follow along with. Um, Peers Victoria Resources Society. Give them all your money. (laughs) See how you can help. Go sign petition E3132 in the House of Commons to decrim sex work. Um, Yeah, donate all your money to nonprofits. Donate money to your local sex worker. Make it rain. I don't know. And just be nice. Be a nice person. (laughs) I love that. And shut down your friends' horophobic jokes. Yes. yes. <laughs> I don't want to hear any more dead hooker jokes. It's disgusting. Oh, God. Ew. They're no. tired. I don't want to hear it. Do you want to hear this little thing? Yes, let's end it with this. Okay. So my piece was called Aphrodite, and it was a really beautiful painting of me. From a very early age, sex absolutely fascinated me. Deep in my heart, I knew I'd end up in the industry one way or another. My curiosity for everything sex was insatiable, even then. I felt called to do sex work. Stripping, camming, sugaring, escorting, an avenue to fulfill my every desire. Pulling up my fishnets felt like putting on a suit of armor, a warrior going into battle. As a cis, thin, white, able-bodied, straight-passing person in so-called Victoria, I hold a lot of privilege and do not face the same hurdles some of my counterparts do when navigating this industry. From the beginning, I made it my mission to use my privilege to fight for, uplift, and prioritize the voices of my fellow sex workers in all of their phenomenal manifestations, be it BIPOC, LGBTQIA2+, folks, disabled folks, unsheltered folks, folks who use substances. We are all under the same red umbrella. It can be messy, chaotic, not always pleasant, much like any other job in our broken capitalist system. 
but it can also be transcendent, magical, and sexy as fuck. Sex work is work. Sex work is real work. And I'm proud to be a sex worker. That's it. Yes! I love that, Olivia. That was amazing. That was like the perfect summary of everything we just talked about. And like the fact that you were able to put that in words and something so beautiful and concise and like powerful. Oh, fuck yes. Yes! Snaps for you. I also want to see that photo. Can we? Oh, yeah, can we see the painting? Yeah, and maybe we can post it on Instagram if possible yeah. too. Oh my that god, that's so beautiful! Oh, I'll send you a picture of it. Oh, this it. was so great. That was so Thank nice. Thank you for oh educating god. us. We're so my Yay. pleasure. I'm not as I always trip over my words. I won't say things mm-hmm. as perfectly as I want to say them. But yeah, do some research. Poke around the internet. There's so much to be learned. Maybe yeah. other resources out there. So that was a really fucking rad episode. I just am so inspired by her work in general. And I I just think like the way she talks about it is so beautiful and positive. And I want the rest of the world and society to see it in that light because sex work is work. It's beautiful work. It's important work. And it's work that has a demand, you know, and it is Mm -hmm. demanding mentally, physically. And the people who do it are so fucking strong. And you can see that with Olivia. It was such a wonderful conversation. I agree. I love how she just talked about like how much she helps her clients and like how, you know, sex isn't just, you know, that big, what did she say? Throbbing cock. cock yeah, yeah. Floating sperm. Um, yeah. But you know, it's like, it's funny. It's goofy. It's physical. It's intimate. It's whispers. It's kisses. Like there's so much more to sex than just, you know, ejaculation. And I really like how she focused on that and that healing process, um, that story that she had with her client. And, yeah. you know, I mean, that was just like such a, such a good feeling story. You're just like, that is fucking great. And I love that because we're all human and we all have our own needs. And, you know, sometimes it's really hard opening up. Totally. And I want this to like kind of open up like if you have thought about, you know, going through the avenues of sex work for your own personal pleasure and um, self-care, like how she explained with her her client, mm-hmm. like that is self-care, 100 um, percent. I encourage you to do that and to explore that. That's why this industry is there is to help you and to to uplift you and to empower you. And I think we should do that for the workers and and the people who use those services as well, because I think it's just such important work what a what an inspiring person she is i'm so happy thank you for knowing her and being her friend also (laughs) i feel privileged to be her friend i'm gonna be her friend too (laughs) um now if you like this episode please it helps us out so much if you leave a review of like what you took away from this episode um why why you you know related to it that always helps um you can leave that in a review and give us a five-star rating if that's how you feel if you don't feel that way that's totally okay be honest we love to improve you know we're just doing this for fun but like we're also doing it for a reason so we do want to you know make sure that we are growing We are navigating the podcast world. I think it's been about two and a half years we've been doing it. And, you know, we both do it just like, like it, you know, we don't, we do it for no profit. And I think like it's, um, it's such, it's been such an amazing journey and we've learned so much. So, um, you know, hearing what 
you know, you folks actually think about it and what you want to fucking hear. Because I, I don't know why I'm swearing so much. Oh, I'm like just, just on a F-bomb journey. <laughs> um, <laughs> we want to know because it's really interesting. Yeah. And we want to provide it. Yeah. And then like hopefully maybe one day, you know, right now we are just doing it with our full time jobs. And like the goal is, I think, like to do it more frequently. Like I would love to because I feel like there's so many stories to be shared. There's so many experts who like can educate the public who don't have a platform. So like eventually it would be cool, you know, to ramp it up a bit. Um, But it also, you know, does come with a cost. Like we do have to pay like our platform fees and everything like that. So we have set up, if you did like this episode and you do feel obliged to, you know, give us a tip or whatever, it's totally up to you. Buy us a coffee. (laughs) If you want to buy us a coffee, we have a buy us a coffee, buy me a coffee account. This is our first time ever using it, but um, it's buymeacoffee.com slash the rag podcast. If you do feel obliged to support financially, otherwise a like, a review, a share, like, means so so much to us and we just appreciate you so much for listening yes thank you so much and yeah we do release these episodes around once a month we try and keep it like with our cycle like our menstrual cycle you know once a month it comes out but sometimes it doesn't sometimes it's early sometimes it's late sometimes it doesn't come at all um so you can expect another episode next month hopefully yeah (laughs) fingers crossed (laughs) thanks for being on the rag you're the best for listening period Talk to you next cycle. Bloody tampons everywhere.